Hello and welcome to the Atomic Impact Podcast designed to help business owners and leaders with short atomic episodes to impact your business for marketing, sales, business growth, personal growth, and much, much more. I'm your host, Jason Osborne, and I'm looking forward for your business and life to be positively impacted by this podcast. And as a thank you, just for listening, I'd like to give you free access to my LinkedIn mini course to help you get on the right track with LinkedIn to generate high quality leads without being spammy. All you need to do is go to www.impactforleads.com to get immediate access. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, it's Jason Osborne here again with the Atomic Impact Podcast, and we've got another episode today with the amazing Karen Green. Uh, Karen is a business consultant, mentor, and author of several books, including the bestseller, Recipe for Success, The Ingredients of a Profitable Food Business. She's well. She's a well-known speaker within the UK food and drink space, speaking at events such as IFE, National Convenience Show, and others. She's passionate about enabling foodpreneurs to achieve profitable sales growth through better understanding of what cons, uh, c- constitutes a successful listing in UK grocery. We've got some cool stuff I'm going to ask Karen about today around that as well, which is pretty cool. Um, her course, Pitch Perfect, teaches everything they need to know from who to target, what to present, and how to negotiate the perfect deal. She also volunteers for Virgin Startup uh, as a business mentor and very happy uh, to be a foodie judge for quality food awards, great test awards, and great British entrepreneur awards, uh, which doesn't sound like a bad gig gig at all, Karen, to be a food tester. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Really looking forward to the chat. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Like, um, So I love food. Food's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, But I, I, so we've, we've talked pre-show about a couple of things and uh, you had mentioned a concept to me that I was like, oh man, we've got to talk about this and you call it elastic shelves. And while this is what you work specifically with your clients within the food industry, I think the concept as a whole is really important to business owners. So what is elastic shelves? What's the concept behind that? And how do you use that to help your clients? So I work in, as you mentioned, the food and drink space. So most of my clients are foodpreneurs um, who want to trade up. So they've done the markets, they've done the local delis, and they want to get into the big time. They're wanting to get into UK grocery or export um, overseas. And they have a great product. And like all of us who run our own businesses, we're so proud of what we do. And we think everyone else is going to absolutely love it. So whether you have a, uh, who was I talking to this morning, a dairy-free, gluten-free gyoza, amazing business, beautiful thing. And he's like, you know, why wouldn't someone want it? And I'm kind of like, the retailer doesn't have elastic shelves. And this is the statement I use so frequently in terms of there's only so much space. So this guy is frozen. So there's only so many freezers in the store. Now, that's just for clarity, he's not frozen. No, he's not frozen. (laughs) He's very animated. Lovely, lovely young guy based down in London. Um, But his products are frozen. So they need to go in a freezer and there's only so much freezer space. 
Um, and so you don't have elastic shelves, you don't have elastic freezers. So there is a limited amount of um, products that, are, that a retailer can buy. And that's pretty relevant to everything. So, you know, for me, I, I work with food businesses, I mentor them, I do consultancy, I do training. There's only so much training and mentoring a person can have. And actually, funnily enough, it's an interesting um, side story, but I have a, um, a client who had me as a mentor, still does. Um, and we got talking one day and he says, oh yeah, Eddie, Eddie thinks that. And I went, are you working with Eddie? And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, have you got any other mentors? He says, I've got four of you. And I was like, my goodness, you've got four of us all giving you different opinions. Yeah. So, you know, you've got elastic shelves in a supermarket, but have you got elastic time, for example, to spend all that time with four mentors? So, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. And I think, you know, it could be, it's relevant to pretty much any business, but in a, yeah. in, if you use, if you say you haven't got elastic time, it's the same principle. Yeah, yeah. So just, just to dive in a, a bit deeper, because I love this whole concept around everything. So what you're saying, and, I'll just kind of frame it a little bit and then you just dive into this stuff. But so what you're saying is these grocers, they already stock stuff. Why would someone, why would they move product off of their shelf? If the, cause I never, I have, I don't go into grocers and there's just loads of space that are just sitting around going, Oh, I wonder where we're going to fill this stuff up. Right. So they've already got their shelves stocked. Why would they move another product off and, 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 your clients products on or if we look at it from our own selves you know why would if if i was a uh in that that market why would they stop my product and not someone else's can you dive into that a little bit more around the concepts around what you teach on that how to frame what they do so that grocers and and, and again even if you're not a, a own a food business it's the same concept why would someone give you their money right why would someone pay me as opposed to somebody else, what do I have to offer that someone else isn't offering? Can you dive into that a bit more, Karen? Yeah, it's uh, with the retailers, the retailers are there to make money primarily. Um, so depending on the business and depending on which, which set of, of KPIs they've got, it's either going to be about profit or it's going to be about sales growth. Sometimes it's market share, depends on the strategy. So those are the three things that they're interested in. So you're absolutely right. We all like the things we have. You know, we all have habits. There are some people, it's not me, that buy the same sandwich every day for work or take the same sandwich for every day. Yeah. So, so because that's low risk, you know what you're getting or you might really like what you're getting. So with the range that, that a retailer already has, they know it. You know, they know whether it's going to sell. They know what the opportunity is. So to bring on a new brand is risk. So what I teach my people is to think about how can you reduce the risk of taking that different brand in, your brand? What are you bringing to the party? Um, and that can be a number of different things. And it's relevant, again, to all kind of solopreneurs in, in terms of 
what's the transformation that you're going to make? So how do I transform another business? How are you, when you're selling your food business, food product, going to transform that retailer's sales and profitability? So there are things like um, proof in another category. So if, if you've already been in, in delis or you've already been another retailer, there's, there's some proof. Um, another client of mine, we sold into Sainsbury's and they, um, they had 30, 000, sorry, 35,000 Instagram followers. She has a massive following. So we said to, to Sainsbury's, look, we're going to bring you this product. We looked at where the, the opportunities and the gaps were for it's a it's a low sugar high protein cake so he said look you you don't have any cake on your food to go fixture we have thirty five thousand people we can bring they're going to come so we're going to bring you footfall we're going to bring you incremental sales because we are creating something new for you we're going to transform it and also it's a higher retail price so people are going to trade up so on every level what we're always trying to do is to find a gap that they are missing, which means we can grow their overall category, and then we can bring in more profitability, more sales. Um, and the challenge that I have is a lot of <clears throat> young brands come to me who don't have enough proof of concept. And that's some of the pre-work I'm now doing with clients to say, look, before we do that, we need to do some, some pre-work. Yeah, that's I there's there's a lot of information that you just gave in there, um, which is amazing. So I, I always tell people, you know, go back and listen to that a few times because you gave you gave a recipe for success. Um, and if people break down what you've just said, it, it's amazing. So all right, let let's let's go back to the person you're talking about earlier. They said, why wouldn't people want this? Which is often as business owners, because we love what we do, right? Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they want to work with us? But what you're actually saying is you have to think, you have to remove the emotion out of it to some degree yeah. and think about the actual benefits of the purchaser. So our clients, our buyers. Yeah. So what's, what, what are a couple of things that you advise clients on around that of saying, because you've said, you, you've said proof, of, uh, proof of concept and social proof is what you're talking about as well. But what are some, some, maybe one or two steps that people can start thinking things through differently on how to make it almost, uh, foolproof on why someone would actually buy our products from us? I think it's, it's, it's going back to what's what's the transformation you're going to bring to the to their business because the product or our services are conduits they're not the actual end result so yes if if you have a um a dairy-free gyoza it's a great product and yeah the retailer is kind of interested and they want it to be a, a nice product because if it's not really nice then people won't buy it but i always you know use the example of coca-cola every single blind tasting that coca-cola has been through it fails and yet coca-cola is the biggest brand in the uk um in fact i think it is the biggest food and drinks brand and i don't know and in the world it must be pretty pretty up there so it's not about the great product. And it's also in plastic. 
And it's also full of artificials. So all the things that this, and I'm going to keep using this Gyoza just as an example, because it's yeah. just the one I spoke to this morning. So the Gyoza in terms of tick points for being an amazing product, it fits all the market needs, it's bang on trend, it tastes amazing, it's great, but he's got 328 followers on Facebook. He's not going to bring people. He's not created a brand. And Seth Godin, I think, said it really well when he sort of says your logo is not your brand, your packaging is not your brand. It's about your the, the tribe that you're bringing. It's about the transformation. It's about the whole emotional piece. Yeah. Um, so that's where we need to be thinking. So we need to kind of, because again, if you if you talk to someone who's selling, I I've the inclination is to go, look, I've done this great stuff. You know, I, I was a buyer for, for Tesco and Boots. I launched a brand that went from naught to half a million in six months. I've turned businesses around from lost profit. I am just amazing. Well, that's lovely. But what might work better is, so tell me, what what are your problems today? What's the biggest problem that you've got? How can I help solve it? What do you need? And it's the same when you're selling to the retailers. It's saying to them, I think you have a problem. I think you're missing a dairy-free gyoza. You know, and you can cite example, and there's a there's a Japanese brand called um, Little Moons, which has done amazingly well, had a big TikTok thing going on, and and their sales are like seven hundred percent up. And you could go look, look at look at look at these guys. You know, they've taken a Japanese product, they've made it trendy, they've made it bang on. That's where we're going with this gyoza. And suddenly the buyer's like, well, that's interesting. I could be first. Yeah. So suddenly you're you're actually you are taking it off of the the I want to make money I want to make profit I want footfall and you're going ooh ego and one of the things I teach on on the pitch perfect course is that I've I've developed this biology three by three matrix where I look at both the buyer's motivations personality. Um, and and position in life and then the company and then the overlay between the two and when you actually get into that and you look at all nine elements the selling um, proposition becomes quite different and so instead of saying right well we're gonna we're gonna sell the sausage we go back to that old-fashioned statement of selling the sizzle because it's what's actually going to be the transformation Um, and that's that's kind of that that's kind of the principles that that we teach but also we do have to get into the nitty-gritty of of money as well and say look you know one of the other things people don't realize is how much margin retailers make or sorry need to cover the rest of the costs because people Mm. you know the average margin it's probably about 40% on a retail price. And everyone goes, gosh, that's really outrageous. They're taking 40% of my cost. But when you look at, say, someone like Tesco, I think their net profit's about four or five. It's yep. it's several billion. So it's <laughs> it's a nice number, but yeah. it's still only five, you know, five or six because they're paying for all of the infrastructure and all of the other bits and bobs. So you have to think through that pricing and the commerciality 
and design it as Coca-Cola have designed it, where the product for them probably costs 10 pence and they can retail it for two pounds. Yeah. Which means there's lots more money for everyone to invest in marketing, to get more consumers, to create that virtuous circle. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, if you're listening to this right now, go back and listen to this several times because like what you've said, Karen, you, you, you literally are given a masterclass in business right now. It's, it's very much geared towards the food industry, but if you take the concepts that you're talking about, it is, it's, it's so true because in essence, what you're saying is you can't just go, Hey, I've got this great product service, whatever, and not think how, how is it going to actually help the end user? And when you think about, uh, you know, Tesco, Sainsbury's, all these places, right? Whether you like it or not, they're in business and they're not going to take a punt on you just for being, oh, I'm going to give someone a chance, right? If they did that, they'd be out of business. <laughs> so you, you have to position what you do to make people go, yes, okay, that makes sense. Um, and yes, sometimes, you know, people will take a chance, but it has to, it has to make sense for them to take that chance as well. Um, so it's so, so much stuff that you've given in, in this. Um, so let me ask you this, um, Karen, how do people get in touch with you to learn more about what you do? Because I, I got to tell you, if, if you're particularly if you're a food company and you're wanting to get out there, you're wanting to figure out how to get into retailers you got to chat to Karen. So how, how do they find you, Karen? They can contact me on my website, which is the karengreen.com. And we will share something in the show notes for your, for your people. I've got a little freebie book, which is about the 10 minute awesome. pitch, um, which is pretty relevant. It's, it's obviously aimed at my people, which are food and drink people, but it's just as relevant for anybody um, to get to grips with how to think through the five P's of doing what is often now an online pitch? Because how many of us actually go out, especially, you know, in, in these times and even, you know, when we come out of COVID, I think there'll be so much more Zoom based. 10 minutes. How can you do a pitch in 10 minutes? What's the preparation, pulling the pitch together and then what to do afterwards as well? Because Love it. Love but, it. So we'll, we'll give that, that free to you guys. Amazing. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. And all that will be in the show notes. So don't worry about um, trying to remember anything. Just look in the show notes. It's there. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for the value you've brought to the show today. It's been an absolute privilege to have you on. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Chat to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Atomic Impact Podcast. And as a reminder, please go to www.impactforleads.com to get free access to my LinkedIn mini course to help you get on the right track with LinkedIn to generate high quality leads without being spammy. And please also like and share this episode with others and leave a comment as I'd love to hear from you. This is Jason Osborne and I look forward to sharing the next episode of the Atomic Impact Podcast with you.